Let's pray. To the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins, we give you all honor, glory, and praise. May the proclamation of your words of restoration build up your people today. In the name of Jesus, amen. The little remote just quit working. Ran out of batteries. That's not in the script, by the way. You're like, where's Jeff going with this sermon? Sorry. So, Sarah, next slide. There's this real cool thing where the last word, anew, is supposed to... Like, anyway. Here are the words of Jesus as written in John 13. This is far more important than that. A new command I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. For us as Jesus followers, I think we need to hear that day after day because we forget it. We are forgetful people no matter how well-intentioned we are, even on the days when we think, okay, today is the day when I'm going to pay all my attention to Jesus and I'm going to set my mind on the things that I know that I'm going to set. Oh, look over there. You ever get that feeling? It's like, I, it's, I, today's the day, and it flies out the window. And so that's why we come in here and keep telling these stories and keep living these lives because of the one who is and who was and who is to come. We're born again. We are created anew. As the people of Jesus, let's just take a moment to listen to these encouragements from the Word of God, from 2 Corinthians. Just let these sink in a little bit. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Thank you, John Henley Jr. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creation. Let that sink in again. Because you know what the difference is between descriptive and aspiration? Like we've we've talked about this before, right? It's one thing to describe what is, it's another thing to aspire to what we will become. These two lines out of 2 Corinthians, I think, more aspire to what we will become, what some people call the world imagined in Scripture, the way that the world is supposed to be. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And Paul says that in 2 Corinthians as though, oh, we're already there. We don't lose heart. And then... We wake up in the morning, sometimes we're downhearted. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart. And then this, this very last one that I read, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Sitting in here, that's not that hard to do. We look around each other, we're confessing Jesus as Lord, all of these wonderful things. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Right, exactly. I look around this room, all of you, and I think we don't regard each other from a worldly point of view. We look at each other through the lenses of Christ Himself. And then Monday comes, and we start looking at everything from a worldly point of view. I was going to wait until the end of the sermon to stop preaching and go to meddling, but I think I just went to meddling. You ever heard that before? I got that all the time whenever I preached in West Texas as a young preacher out in Monday. Every once in a while they would say that, well, Jeffy boy, that's what Lonnie Offit used to call me, well, Jeffy boy, think you went from preaching to meddling today. And I didn't know what that meant as a young preacher. And I was like, oh, I didn't mean to. I did, was, did I go too far? Was it too much? And he goes, no, no. There's a time whenever you need to go from preaching to meddling. So don't say you haven't been warned. Um, this morning kind of goes to meddling. I want to show you a trajectory today. Just a few things in Scripture. All I want to do is just show it to you. And what we do with it from here on out is up to us, both individually as we live our lives this week, and collectively as a church. Well, I'll actually have to do both once we kind of see this trajectory. Um, you know what I mean by a trajectory, right? A path that kind of goes from one thing to another. And so in Scripture, there is this trajectory about all this language of born um, and new birth and being born again and born anew. So one night... Apparently pretty early in Jesus' ministry, according to the way that John tells us the story in John 3, one of the main religious leaders of the time goes to Jesus to figure out how this man of God is doing what he's doing and teaching what he's teaching. And I don't know, it's hard to pick up tone of voice when you're just reading Scripture, but I would love to know Nicodemus's tone of voice was he being sincere? Was he being sarcastic? Was he kind of calling Jesus into question? Was he one of these who just said, okay, I'm in? We don't know. But I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was all in. He just, he wanted to know how Jesus was doing what he was doing and saying what he was saying. And then Jesus says this. This is in the middle of their conversation in John 3. And listen to all this birth imagery. First thing Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, the conversation continues from there with, I think, what is more explanation. But if you read the rest of this story, it doesn't really provide a whole lot more explanation or clarity. It just sort of lays it all out there and says, here, wrestle with this for the rest of your life. Here, born again, born of water, born of spirit, Jesus uses multiple images, all kinds of images to try to get this religious leader to live beyond what we think of as creation that we see every day. And again, this is where the sermon goes to meddling. Because how many of us, when we really take stock of our lives, are doing the same exact thing that Nicodemus is doing? Living according to what we see and know every day, what we can touch, smell, taste, feel, hear, versus what God is really up to. Jesus tries to reorient Nicodemus the way that later commentaries like 2 Corinthians will try to get us to reorient out of our weak habits regarding one another from a worldly point of view. If you are at all worried about the state of contemporary Christianity, you can take comfort in this. And it may be kind of cold comfort, but you can take comfort in this. All the generations that have ever gone before you were worried about the state of contemporary Christianity. Everybody. Everybody's always been worried about, well, what is the church, what are the Jesus followers going to look like 20, 50 years from now? It's always been this way. Everybody's always worried about it. And look where we are right now in 2019. We are in 2019 Jesus is still Jesus, the Lord is still faithful, shaping us as the people of the new creation. But I think the key is in what Jesus says in John 3, 6, and this is where it's all at this morning. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Just let that sink in for a moment and think about it. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now let's add a little more. In 1 John, the earliest Jesus followers took the basic teaching of Jesus to love one another and summed up the primary focus of the church in this way. The same image Jesus would use, by the way, with the religious leader. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then John gets to know Jesus over an entire lifetime. Not just from a worldly point of view, but from his own eyewitness of his life with Jesus, 
Over the rest of his life, he received these revelations from Jesus. What if John didn't receive what we think of as the book of Revelation in one sitting? You ever thought about this? What we call revelation? How'd John wind up with it? Well, Jesus just gave it to him. Fair enough, I believe that. But sometimes we think that John was just sitting on an island one day minding his own business and Jesus said, here, and just sort of dropped revelation out of the sky. Could have happened that way. What if instead it happened over a lifetime? What if every night for the rest of John's life, as he went to bed at night, he dreamed all night long what he wrote down as the book of Revelation? How'd you like to dream that every night for the rest of your life? That that was the entire focus of the rest of his life. All these images, all of these things that we can't make sense out of until we start making sense out of them and realize that what John is offering to us, this gift that he's giving us as the church of Jesus, is a way to endure. Do you know that's what Revelation is all about? That's really the basic thrust of Revelation. Here's how you can endure for the rest of your lives when the going gets tough. Here's how you do it. I'm going to give you this gift how to endure. And by the way, I've dreamt these things every night all my life, and so I've got to get them out and share them with you. Here's the book of Revelation. What if his entire life was learning how to live a life where he no longer focused all of his attention on flesh giving birth to flesh? But rather... And more importantly, an entire life where he regarded Jesus and the people around him and the whole wide world, all of creation from the standpoint of spirit giving birth to spirit, gives birth, born, born again. And then the ending of Revelation, the ultimate word of reorientation. When John changes everything, not born again, but born anew. When Jesus is talking to the religious leader in John 3, he uses the language of born again and how the Spirit gives birth to what can become our new lives. Some of the last words we have of Jesus in these revealings to John in Revelation 21, Jesus says, I am making everything new, it is done. And man, I wish so much that we could go back to the translation committees who translated Revelation 21 and say, why? on God's green earth that is His beautiful creation, did you choose to translate that? It is done. When it's the same exact word that Jesus used with Nicodemus in John 3. Same word. Quite literally, everything is now being born anew. Not it is done. I mean, it really? I mean, that's what you say when the roast is finished cooking. Done. 
No, man. Jesus says it is being born anew. Same word. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. From the very beginning to the very end and everything in between, that's me. I am the beginning and the end. And you know where we live our lives? Right between those two. Between the beginning and the end. You ever get worried? And it's okay. It's, I, I mean, I know Jesus said don't do it. But, you know, it's harder to actually live that out. Right? I'm not just making this up, right? You ever get worried? Say amen. You know, can I please get a witness on this? <laughs> we get worried. We get worried. I am the beginning and the end. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. You've heard this, right, out of the Sermon on the Mount? I'm the beginning and the end. Yeah, Jesus, but I'm worried. But what are you worried about? I don't know, pick a topic. I'm worried about it. I am the beginning and the end. Why do you keep saying that, Jesus? Well, because you need to hear it more than once. Everything is being born anew. Jesus says that everything we know is wrapped up in Him. We could spend the rest of our lives as the people of Jesus giving in to the weak perspective of regarding everything from the flesh from a worldly point of view. And you know why we could spend the rest of our lives giving in to the weak point of view of regarding everything from the flesh rather than the Spirit? You know why we could spend the rest of our lives doing that? Because we've spent our entire lives up to this point doing that. I told you I was going to go to meddling, right? But I mean, it's true. You know, I'm not trying to be harsh, but we do this. We, because we are flesh creatures, because we are beings that touch and smell and taste and feel and hear, that's how we regard the world. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you a better way. Because if we keep regarding the world from flesh, guess what it keeps giving birth to? Just more flesh. You regard the world from the spirit, from the path, from the way, from wisdom, from what Jesus is trying to show us over and over again in both his teaching and his ministry and everything he does. He keeps saying, I'm going to show you a better way to live your life. And that better way to live your life is Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Which one do you want? On Sunday morning, I, spirit, that sounds good. Give it an hour. You're going to be bombarded by flesh gives birth to flesh. Haven't we learned by now that living that kind of life is empty? So again, as far as meddling goes, where do you spend your time? 
take stock of your life for a second. Where do you spend most of your time? Where do you put most of your thoughts? Where do I devote my attention? Most of my time, I devote my attention to what I can see, hear, taste, touch, things that I can measure. What would it look like if we, as an entire people of God, said, we are going to give due diligence to the work of God that He has set before us. It's time to take seriously a life in Christ where the deeper truths give birth to deeper truths. And then you know what happens when we do that? It's not that it's our work, by the way. We commit to this because it's the work of God. We commit to this because it's the gift of Jesus. And you know how Jesus describes it when we do that? He describes it two ways. Once at the beginning of his ministry and once when everything is written. Not at the end, but at least when everything is written and described. First he calls it born again. Then he calls it born anew. Not again as repetition, but born brand new as new creations in Christ. It's time that we as a church live as more than born again, but entering into the life of being born anew. We are moving towards a city that does not even need light because the Creator shines on all of creation. May the Lord shine that Creator's face of all faces upon you and give you peace. When you are worried, on the days when you wake up and think, today's the day when I'm going to give more attention to what God has already put before me, may the Lord shine that Creator's face of all faces upon you and give you peace. Amen.